on today's episode of The Leadership Drives. Because after my kid, my son was murdered. He had three older brothers. And the pain I saw in them, you see folks reaching out to the parent, but always reaching out to the siblings. Mm -hmm. So that is why I started the Youth for Peace. So you get this weird feeling in the pit of your stomach and it's, you can't even explain the feeling. And it comes and then it just goes. And someone said to me, that's the emptiness of your womb from your baby being gone. Welcome to the Leadership Drives podcast. Now here's your host, Mylena Sutton. Hello, podcast family, and welcome to the Leadership Drives, the podcast where you are invited to travel with me as I endeavor to study leadership in its various forms. I want to know how and why people lead, whether on or off the clock, paid or unpaid, at home or beyond. As you probably know, so much is written about the universal aspects of leadership, but context is where the rubber meets the road. In turn, I look for leaders whose contexts are anything but textbook. My goal is to understand what leadership looks like in their unique corners of the world. Now, I know I just said that I believe that context matters greatly. This is true. What is also true is that I believe the ways in which a person's labor, whether paid or unpaid, on the clock or off the clock, at home or beyond, I believe the ways in which a person's labor supports their highest and best vision of themselves is equally, if not more so, important. The lengths to which leaders will go to connect their inner drive to what they do every single day is captivating. This nexus is so remarkable to me that I prefer to meet my podcast guests in person. Whether it means a trip across the country or a simple drive up the New Jersey Turnpike, my goal is to understand the trade-offs, the choices that people make to gain alignment between their personal and professional lives and how that impacts their ability to create visions that other people can embrace. Thank you for uh, making time in your schedule because I know the timing of this interview is nuts for you because you're moving into a new location. You have a major event tomorrow. So first, thank you very much for uh, granting me time to uh, learn a little bit more about you, about what you do in Rochester and your organization. Thank you. You're welcome. Indeed, indeed. So tell me a little bit. I'll tell you how I heard about you. Okay. Um, so I have a friend who works in this area and I told her I was coming mm -hmm. and I said, I to interview somebody um, there so because I keep hearing that Rochester is not this sleepy little town that people say it is. Mm. And she said, oh, I have somebody for you. And she says, um, 
I'm going to send her, I'm going to talk to her first rather than giving you her information. Mm -hmm. She says she runs an organization called Rock the Peace and it's an anti-violence organization. Mm -hmm. So if I hadn't met you and didn't hear that from my friend Sonia, what would you say Rock the Peace is and what do you do? Um, well, Rock the Peace is a, a um, grassroots mm -hmm. organization. Um, we are built on the community and we work for the community basically okay good deal um how long have you been in the area how long have you been in existence rather me or rock the peace <laughs> you know uh, rock the peace rock the peace <laughs> uh rock the peace actually what's the day the 21st two days ago made 15 years good deal congratulations for staying in business yeah Indeed. thank you what made you start the organization so my son christopher jones was murdered november 2007 and before Obviously, before that, he always made a big deal about his birthday. So I was planning a big birthday party. And in the midst of planning a birthday party from for him, um, you know, you don't notice stuff until it starts happening to you. So I noticed homicides more, you know. And um, like I say, he was one of three who were killed within 24 hours. He was the 52nd homicide of 2007. And um, so by the time July, as July was approaching, um, it turned out to be, instead of peace for Chris, it was peace for Chris and other victims of violence. And someone that I was working with at the Red Cross said, well, this is your baby. We need to make it bigger than just a birthday party in the park. So our very first uh, Peace Fest was in the park, July 19, 2008. And it turned out to be a big to-do. Like we had the senator, uh, it was Senator Robach at the time. He was our guest keynote speaker. We had some organization, dancers, and, and someone had donated food. And that's how the actual Peace Fest got started. Good deal. How um, many people do you attract every year and how has it changed over the years? Well, the first year it was mostly family and friends. Um, it was, you know, a community in that area because we were out there. Um, and it started at Jones Park as 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 we do now. And um, that day, maybe a hundred. Um, since then, every year, um, every year is different. It gets bigger and um, be like close to three, four. Oh, wow. Coming and going, like some kind, you know, during the day, so. Do you sponsor, the, do you get sponsors for this or do you pay for this out of pocket? I, if I'm being nosy, tell me that. But I'm thinking that's a huge undertaking for you know, 400 people in a, you know, in the park. So it started for each year, it was out of my pocket. Okay. And then like a few years ago, um, one of our mayor, our mayor at the time was Mayor Lovely Warren. And um, someone said, have you asked her to help pay for this? And I said, 
No, I never thought about it. I'm just, you know, I I work, I get my taxes. When I get my taxes, I just pay for it. Like the stage is $600, you know, stuff like that. So I just pay for what I need to pay for. The permit, everything is paid for. And by the time July comes, we are set. So I never thought about it. And they told me to ask, I did. And ever since then, the city, they sponsors um, you know, the the stuff that this is like the stage and the permit, they sponsor all of that. That's like a thousand dollars by itself. Mm-hmm. And um and then, you know, we get people that donate and you know several things. Good deal. Thank you for sharing that. You're listening to my conversation with Serena Cotton who is the founder and executive director of Rock the Peace, an anti-violence community organization based out of Rochester, New York. My conversation with Serena was beautiful and challenging. Her journey to founding Rock the Peace is one of tremendous courage and of turning tragedy into something meaningful. On the other hand, she was also open about her leadership challenges. What does a leader do when the organization turns into something very different than their initial vision for it. Serena's transparency is a gift. So let's get back to the conversation with her. Now, with respect to the programs you have throughout the year, what kinds of events and activities do you do when you're not planning for Rock the Peace, uh, the festival that is? Yeah. So we have a a youth group that's five years old. It's actually a ministry within um, our church, First Genesis Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. Um, I asked the pastor one day, he was preaching and he said, oh, anyone who started ministry? And I thought he was playing. So I uh, (laughs) set up a meeting. Well, I heard that one Sunday. The next Sunday I went back to church and he said it again. And I, cause I said, did I hear that guy? So when I went back the next Sunday and he said it again, I said, okay, that's my cue. (laughs) So I set up a appointment and we sat down. I I wrote up, you know, what I what I was interested in doing and stuff. And it was the youth mentoring program. And he read it through and everything. And he was like, hmm, yeah. I said, for real? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, this is nice. So that's how the youth mentoring program started, called Youth for Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, right before that, I already had Why My Baby, which is a, um, a support group for parents and grandparents who lost their children mm-hmm. to violence, suicide, and prison. And uh, we meet at, well, we were meeting at the church and um, do different things. This year, we started doing something different where each month, instead of just meeting and sitting around a table, we went bowling, we do painting, paint therapy in the park and just different things that we do instead of just dwelling on our pain. Mm -hmm. You know, we uh, turn our pain into a purpose. Um, And you said that was from prison, suicide and violence? How did you expand to include those other two areas? Well, it was just for violence and homicides, but then I started meeting different several people. I met a few moms who lost their children to suicide. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, and they didn't have 
they didn't want to go to other, you know, uh, support groups. I'm like, okay, we can incorporate that. Mm -hmm. And then with prison, um, you know, you have someone that um, has been killed and then, okay, so that's that mom, Mm -hmm. right? But then what about the killer? His mom. His mom. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to leave her out. And that's why I wanted to start the youth mentoring group. Because after my kid, my son was murdered, he had three older brothers. And the pain I saw in them, you see folks reaching out to the parent, but always reaching out to the siblings. Mm -hmm. So that is why I started the Youth for Peace for uh, youth that lost parents and siblings to same things. Um, and especially prison because we have, I met this um, one mom whose son was killed and she had another son and he used to bring a friend over. And then she found out that that friend, father, is who killed her son. Mm, that's hard. It, it was, but she looked at it as not he didn't do anything, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And he needed someone. So she wrapped her arms around him. Wow. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes when we think about what happens in our communities and the various ways we lose people, mm-hmm. we often forget about somebody, so to speak. And the whole idea that you are embracing the moms that we often forget, you know, this is the person who well, their kid did it, but it doesn't mean that his mom, or her mom, mm-hmm. you know, doesn't matter. Um, did you have you ever found in your group um, any in any of the conversations that people have conflict about that? Um, and I'll tell you where my mind is going. Um, I have a friend who lost her son to violence. Um, he was shot, and the person who shot him left him on the sidewalk. Mm. I don't know how my friend would respond if the mother of the person who shot her kid was in the group or another mother whose kid had shot someone. When she was dealing with her grief process, she was so angry. Mm -hmm. So Howard, I don't know if you've ever confronted that in your group, but what's your reaction to the possibility that that could happen? Um, we have a therapist in the group so if it do you know if that I think I'm trying to think I do believe something like that has happened Mm -hmm. um I don't we were in a space and I can't remember what it was but I know as at one time, something did happen like that. Hmm. Um, I um, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, it's got to be an interesting dilemma to confront, right? Because the the thing is, people deal with this so different. Mm-hmm. Like people say to me, "I don't know. You're strong. I don't know how you do it." What they don't know is this is my therapy. Mm -hmm. I I tried therapy, 
probably was at the wrong therapist, but I tried therapy. And every time I go talk to a therapist, they telling me I'm helping them. So my thought is, well, if I'm helping you, <laughs> I should be the one getting paid, right? Yeah, how is this working out? <laughs> right, so that didn't work out for me. So the more I rock the piece, the more I help people, the more people tell me how much I help them, that is what helps me. Okay. So I look at this as my therapy. Understood. Yeah. Does it get easier as time passes um, to, I don't know the word I want to use, but I'm thinking accept what happened to yourself. I don't think that's the word because mm -hmm. it's hard to accept it, mm -hmm. especially at a young age. I guess any age, but he was 16. 16. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, as time goes on, it gets easier to deal with. Mm -hmm. The pain never goes away. Like this week has been hard for me past couple of days, all I've been doing is cry. Mm -hmm. And like at camp yesterday, I told them I'm here, but I'm not here. But he said, just, but it's close to his birthday. His birthday is Sunday. Mm -hmm. So the anniversaries, death day, holidays is what gets you. Mm -hmm. With me, like hearing a young person getting killed, that's what gets me. And it it kind of takes you back to that time. And then there's, and other mothers said they feel the same thing. You get this weird, like you could be singing, you be doing anything, and all of a sudden you get this weird feeling in the pit of your stomach. And it's you can't even explain the feeling and it comes and then it just goes. And someone said to me, that's the emptiness of your womb mm -hmm. from your baby being gone. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know how true that is, but that makes sense mm -hmm. because I talked to several moms, they have that same, like it would just come mm -hmm. and it just, you just start feeling real weird and feel real, real weird in your, in your pit of your belly and then it's gone and you don't feel it to come back again. Hmm. It may be once a year, you know, it's not like every day this happens, but. I hear you. I, I do believe how we feel um, shows up in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I can imagine intense grief being that way. Um, I do believe that grief has a way of sitting with you sometimes. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Thank you for listening to part one of our conversation with Serena Cotton. Please join us for part two. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Drives podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe, share with your family and friends, and be sure to tune in to the next episode of the Leadership Drives.